Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Well, I feel like I need to introduce myself to everybody this morning as we get going here. It's good to be back. I think I missed... Three out of the last four Sundays, and you all were thinking we didn't miss you at all. But uh, in between my surgery and taking uh, Andrew back out to California, my, seeing my daughter out in Los Angeles as well, had a great time last Sunday at House LA. Uh, the church plant that they go through is their one year anniversary when we were there, and I was able to speak. Just a great opportunity. They probably had 130 people. Uh, that were there that day, probably a hundred of them were millennials between 18 and 30. And uh, just an unbelievable opportunity that they have there. Fantastic church, miracle after miracle. They're only about uh, two blocks from the Staples Center. And to be able to get property and a building and just one thing after another that has fallen into place for them is just incredible. So certainly be in prayer for them. And uh, as they... Uh, are out in Los Angeles, California. Hey, take your Bibles, turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're starting a new sermon series this morning called I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Anybody here ever play the game Trivial Pursuit? All right, I know you think you're good at it, but I'm really good at it, see? Because I am a wealth of irrelevant information. Uh, you know, things that don't matter, that's what I know about. It's the things that matter that I, that I have more problems with. But uh, I've always enjoyed playing uh, Trivial Pursuit and all that. But I remember the very first year Trivial Pursuit came out. That's how old I am. I was in high school, and a friend of mine's brother bought it for him for Christmas. Now, he wasn't there at Christmas. He was going to come in around New Year's, and he said, when I get home, we'll play it. Now, we knew we were in trouble because his brother had just graduated from college, straight-A student. He'd just gone into special forces in the military, and he was a really smart cookie. So he's going to come and play Trivial Pursuit with us. So we knew we had to do something. So what we did is we took the cards, arranged them in order, and memorized all the answers before he got there. So Billy shows up from the military. He comes in. We start playing Trivial Pursuit. And my friend, he's just reeling off answer after answer. And finally, we got to this one. What is the atomic weight of tungsten? And my friend said, well, any idiot would know that. It's 183.84. And my friend's brother goes, how do you know the atomic weight of tungsten? And he said, it's called being smart, brother called being smart. That's how I know it. Well, maybe some of you, when it comes to life, feel like my friend's brother. Feel like you're playing a game of trivial pursuit that doesn't quite add up and the cards are stacked against you. You know, since the very beginning of time, people have asked those age-old questions of why am I here? What's life about? What's going on in life? And we see that's exactly what's going on in our scripture passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. It says, The words of the teacher, the son of David, who was king in Jerusalem. Now, we don't know exactly who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. The only identification is that he was a son of David, so he's from that royal line of David, and that he was the king in Jerusalem. A lot of people, probably most people, would relate it to Solomon. It doesn't say that directly, but whoever, very important person, king in Jerusalem, and he's got a problem. 
And his problem is seen in verse 2. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. His problem is nothing in life seems to be satisfying. Nothing in life seems to be giving him purpose and direction and hope and meaning and happiness. There's just something missing as he's going through life. Now, every person in this room and every person that's ever lived on this planet at some point has asked the question, why am I here? What's life about? Why does life matter? What gives it meaning and purpose? We've all dealt with that. Most of us don't deal with it for very long. We just exist. We go on. We just try to get through the day. We don't worry about the big questions. But every once in a while, it comes into our mind. And that's the exact question uh, that the teacher is dealing with here in the book of Ecclesiastes. What's this world all about? What gives it meaning? What gives it purpose? Because what we found is this. No matter what we've tried, no matter how hard we've done it, no how much we've devoted ourselves to it, there always seems to be something missing. We just quite haven't found what we're looking for in this life. So what the teacher does in the rest of chapter 1 and chapter 2 is he goes on a search for meaning and purpose in life. And he tries every single thing this world has to offer. We're going to look at four things he tries this morning, trying to find that meaning and purpose in life through what the world has to offer. And the first we see down in verse 12 is that he tries it through wisdom and education and intelligence. Look down to verse 12. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. So he's going to try to understand everything. He's going to try to become the wisest and the most educated person. And wisdom and education are two different things, but he's going to pursue both. He's going to try to become the wisest, most educated person in the world. But look at the very next thing he writes in verse 13. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. Now, if you've ever gone to any kind of advanced education, like middle school or above, if, you, if you've ever done that, one of the things you've discovered is that education becomes a heavy burden. Anybody here ever done math? Okay. Yeah, you know, I got a BA in college, so I wouldn't have to take any math classes. You know, uh, that, you know, I, I was terrible with math. You know, I'm I'm good with adding and subtracting and and division and and uh, multiplication. I could do all of that. It's when you got into this weird stuff. I mean, you know, that I, I never understood it. So when I was in Virginia, they said uh, Chip, you ought to volunteer to help at the elementary school. So I did that third grade class. They said, well, the teacher said, I'm going to give you half the class. I'm going to take the other. You uh, tell them where they went wrong with their math problems. I didn't understand a single math problem they had. I've got a doctoral degree. They're third grade students. And I'm saying things like, well, can you figure out where you went wrong here? And they said, I think I did this. Oh, you're exactly right. Everybody hear that? You know, that's the best I could do. So, you know, he's trying to find meaning and purpose through wisdom and education. He goes on in verse 14. I've seen all the things done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. So this is what he says. Okay, it's great to be smart, but there's limits. There's things no matter how smart you are, you can't change. You can't do anything about. And so now he begins to get frustrated because here I am trying to become as smart as I can, trying to be as wise as I can, and yet I can't make crooked things straight and I can't count things that are lacking. 
He goes on in verse 16. I said to myself, I've increased in wisdom more than anyone who's ever ruled in Jerusalem before me. I experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to understanding wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too was just a chasing after the wind. So it made him smart. It made him wise, but it didn't give him meaning and purpose in life. There was still something missing. There was things you just couldn't figure out or things there were no answer to. So maybe you can understand why a hurricane comes. Maybe you can understand perfectly. This is what causes a hurricane. This is why it hit here. This is why the winds were so strong. This is why the rain came. You can explain all of that, but it doesn't help when your house has been destroyed and your family is devastated. There's some things wisdom and education just aren't going to give you answers for. So at this time, the teacher's kind of frustrated. So he said, so what do I do? And he tries a second thing that the world says is going to give you hope and meaning. And he tries pleasure. He tries pleasure. Look down to uh, our scripture passage, down to uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. I said to myself, come now, and I test myself with pleasure to find out what is good. But that too proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. What does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself up with wine. I embraced folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the days of their life. Look at verse 8. I amassed silver and gold for myself, the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and harems as well, the delights of a man's heart. And so he tries literally, he mentions wine, women, and song. He tries all three. I'm going to try pleasure to make me happy. Now, that might amuse you for a night, but in the morning you've got a headache and, uh, and, you, and you're broke or something like that. You know? So it doesn't quite work out the way that you think it does. Anybody here ever been to Disney World? God bless you. I mean, oh my goodness. The happiest place on earth If you've ever taken a young child to Disney World, I mean, we've got a counseling center that we'll be glad to to set you up with afterwards. What happens, the first thing that happens is you spend all of your money. You know, you go in and when you're like seven years old, you're suddenly an adult at Disney because, you know, uh, you're not a child any longer. You play adult prizes. So a family of four is going to cost you about $1,000 in tickets to get in for one day uh, when, when you get there to the happiest place on earth. But then after that, they charge you 35 bucks to park. They've already got a gun to my head robbing me. Go ahead and charge me $150 a ticket. Don't charge me $35 to park. That really irritated me. The pleasure was leaving at that point, you know, when I got in there. Then I get inside and it's July. It's 190 degrees in Orlando. And you're trying to tell a toddler, look, just wait in this line in the heat for an hour and a half but there'll be a minute and a half ride at the end of it that you're going to really enjoy. By the end of the day, I would have paid Disney 150 bucks to let me go home. You know, and so the pleasure wasn't quite there. Have you ever gotten back from vacation and you're tired and you're broke and you need a vacation from your vacation? The pleasure just doesn't quite seem to be what we think it's going to be. And so he tried pleasure, but he said, you know, what does it, in verse two, he says, what does it really accomplish? What have you really achieved as far as finding meaning 
and purpose in life. It was just a distraction for a few moments. So then he tries hard work, uh, acquiring things, his job. He tries to say, okay, if I get things, if I get a bigger house, nicer car, uh, if I get a good job, those things are going to make me happy. So he tries things. Look at verse 4. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female servants and had servants who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone else in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself, the treasures of kings and provinces. So he says, okay, I'm going to try that. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, acquire all of this stuff. Bigger house, bigger car. That's going to make me happy and satisfied in life. Now, I know people who their whole life has become their, their career and their job. And then something happens and they retire from their job. And suddenly they have no focus. They, have, they, they feel lost because their identity was in their job and now their job's gone. It didn't provide ultimate meaning. Things don't provide ultimate meaning. They may be good, they may help, uh, they may make like pleasurable, but they don't give you ultimate meaning. Sheikh Hamad is the crown prince of Dubai. Uh, he's got a Mercedes that all the seats are covered in mink. Uh, that's there. And he told his dad recently that the royal yacht of Dubai, which is worth $100 million, he said, you know, that's just not up to my style. It's just a little too cheap. I need something better than that. So his daddy bought him the most expensive yacht in the history of the world, $400 million yacht. Now, here's the thing. Sheikh Ahmad is never going to have a problem in his life. He's never going to stay up night worrying about things. He's never going to have a relationship issue. He's never going to get sick. And he's never going to die. And you know how I know? Because he's got a $400 million yacht. That's why. So there's, it's a thing. It might be nice to have. You might get enjoyment out of it, but it's not something that's going to ultimately fulfill you. And that's, again, what the teacher finds in our scripture passage. Then he ends up this search in verse 10. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in my labor, and this was my reward for all of my toil. Yet when I surveyed all my hands had done and all I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Tried everything the world had to offer and it all came up short. Now, one thing he doesn't mention here that we try today and we're very sincere about it is we try to find meaning and purpose in relationships. We think, well, you know, the relationships are going to make what life, life count. And that's what I'm going to put everything in. That's where my meaning and purpose is going to come. And so we try to do that with our relationship with our parents. But then you grow up, you leave the house, you're not with your parents all the time. Your parents get older and your parents pass away. So if your life's meaning and purpose was in your parents, that's not something that was going to last. What about with your children? You can put everything into your children. And I've had people that do that. Man, their whole life is in their children and taking care of their children. And what their children want, they put their own life on hold for 20, 20, 25 years because everything's about their kids. And then your kids grow up and they move away. Or we put all of our hopes and dreams and we put it upon our spouse. Now think how unfair that is. All of your hopes and dreams and happiness in life 
you're transferring to another person who can never live up to that. And it's not fair to them. It's not fair to them because they're not a perfect person and you're always going to be disappointed in them for not being what you want them to be. Because your happiness is now based on another person and it's never going to end up that way. Because nobody's perfect. And so we see these alien relationships aren't going to give us ultimate fulfillment in life. So he tries all of these things. None of them fulfill. All of it proves to be meaningless. Okay, that's pretty depressing. So does that mean all of those things are bad? Does it mean all of the things he searched for are bad things that you shouldn't want in your life? Pleasure, education, wisdom, things, relationships. No, it doesn't mean any of those things are bad. And it doesn't mean any of those things are wrong. And it doesn't mean God doesn't want you to have those things in your life. It means you have to have a proper focus and perspective of what those things are and of what matters the most. And that's the next thing that we see in our scripture passage. Look down at chapter 2, verse 24. Chapter 2, verse 24. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil... This too I see is from the hand of God. So those things he was seeking for meaning and purpose, he said there's nothing bad in them. As a matter of fact, God gave us those things and they're supposed to bring us some satisfaction. He goes on in verse 25 and says, for without him, who can eat and find enjoyment? So he's saying, look, there's nothing bad in these things. These things aren't wrong or evil or, or bad. The, the God gave them to us that to make our lives better and to satisfy us and to give us pleasure, but they're not the ultimate fulfillment in life. And if you make them the ultimate desire and fulfillment in life, you're always going to be disappointed in them and feel like there's something missing. Think of it this way. I give you a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Okay, you've got your big scoop of vanilla ice cream right there. Now, a lot of us would be happy with that nice scoop of vanilla ice cream. It's good. It tastes good. All of that kind of stuff. I was a weird kid. I actually would order vanilla ice cream uh, when we would go to Haywood's Dairy. Anybody go to Haywood's Dairy? Yeah. yeah. You know, when I was a little kid uh, in the south end of Louisville there and uh, all that. But what if somebody told you, okay, you've got your big scoop of vanilla ice cream. How about a little hot fudge on top of that? And you go, ooh. That's, that sounds pretty good, a little hot fudge. You go, what if we put, mm, how about putting some uh, uh, cherry on top of that? And you go, oh, yeah, cherry on top of that. That'd be really good. How about some whipped cream? You go, man, whipped cream, cherry, hot fudge, that's great. You see, the things that we've just been talking about, they're the toppings to life. They're the things that spice it up a little bit. They're not bad things. God gave them to us, but they're not the things that are going to give you ultimate happiness and fulfillment in life. So is there anything wrong with being wise and educated? No, you should want to be wise and educated. You should go out of your way to pursue wisdom. The whole book of Proverbs is about being wise and learning to be wise. You should try to gain all the knowledge you can gain. It doesn't mean that's going to give you ultimate fulfillment in life, but you should pursue it. It's going to make your life better. In chapter two, uh, uh, the, the teacher says, hey, wisdom's better than folly. 
What about pleasure? No, I mean, we can make anything a sin if we take it to extremes. But God gave us things. He wants you to have pleasure in life. There's nothing wrong with being happy. There's nothing wrong with laughing. There's nothing wrong with enjoying your vacation or whatever. But that's not going to give you ultimate fulfillment in life. Is there anything wrong with having a nice house or a nice car or money in the bank? No, nothing wrong with any of those things. They're neutrals. Things are neutrals. It's what you do with them that counts. So it's not that they're bad. Enjoy your house. Enjoy your car. Uh, You know, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. And God wants us to have good, strong relationships. It's going to be what spices up and makes our life worth living. But it's not the ultimate fulfillment. Go back and look at verse 24 and 25 again. Of chapter 2. A person could do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This I see is from the hand of God. Without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? So what's his point here? Those things are the toppings of life, but ultimately life boils down to being about God and your relationship with God. And he states it very clearly there. There's nothing wrong with those things. They're good. God gave them to you. But there's something still out there. We need God. We need God in our life. That's the only thing that's going to give the the thing that we're missing, the thing that we're looking for, the satisfaction that we want. And that brings us to the last thing uh, that we see in our scripture passage. And that is we need to have focus on God and the things of God. Look over at chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 9. What do workers gain from all of their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has set eternity in human hearts. Verse 11 is what I want to look at as we end here today. He has made everything beautiful in its time. All of those things the teacher was seeking, pleasure, things, work, uh, education, relationships, all those things he was seeking, there was nothing wrong with them. As a matter of fact, in their proper place, they're beautiful. He's made everything beautiful in its time. They all have a proper place and a proper function, and they can all make your life have better toppings on it. But... He has set in each of us, put in each of us, eternity in our hearts. Those things are never going to give you ultimate fulfillment. And if that's your fulfillment, my fulfillment in life is going to be coming from my job, my house, and my car. Then your car is going to get old and rusty. You're going to retire from your job and your kids are going to spend all your money. You know, that's just the way it's going to be, you know, at some point in your life. And so now suddenly you're thinking, wow. Where's that meaning and purpose in life? He put eternity in our hearts. And what he means by that is there's always going to be something that you're lacking, something you're searching for that can only be fulfilled by God. And if you seek it in anything else, you're never going to be happy. Listen again. He's made everything beautiful in its time, in its proper place. But he put eternity in your hearts. Only God satisfies the yearning for the heart. And over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. How does God do that? How do we find that ultimate fulfillment in him and find what we're really looking for? So none of those things we've talked about are bad. As a matter of fact, it's the way we use them that counts, not whether or not 
we have them. Three, an interesting story this week about a guy by the name of Mark Bell. Very successful, multi-millionaire, lives in Boca Raton, Florida. Just built one of the largest houses in the history of Boca Raton. 37,000 square feet. Now, I don't know if you know it or not, that's, that's a big house. You know, that's there, right on the water in Boca Raton. Multi-million dollar house, uh, biggest house ever in Boca Raton. He was in it one week when Hurricane Irma hit. Did no damage to his house. He was very fortunate there. But he was in meeting the day after the hurricane with city officials in South Florida. And they were talking about how they could get aid out. And there was a place called the SOS Children's Village. It was a foster care home. It had 70 kids in it. It had been completely destroyed. And the guy from the foster care home said, we don't know what to do. Our kids are literally out in the parking lot uh, of our facility. And they said, well, we can get them into a a shelter, but the shelters are probably going to close in a couple of days. But that will buy us a couple of days. And suddenly Mark Bell spoke up and he said, well... I'll take them. And they said, what do you mean? And he goes, the kids, I'll take them. And they said, how many? And he goes, well, didn't you say 70? And they said, yeah. And he goes, well, I'll take all 70 of them. And they go, where are you going to keep them? And he goes, well, my house. It's more than big enough for 70 people. It's just me and my wife. You know, we need GPS to get from one of the house to the other or, so, or something like that. So they send the kids over to Mark Bell's house. They're there, what? Two weeks, I guess. This week, they come back to him and they said, man, we're sorry you had the kids this long. We're going to start trying to get them in, in, in small groups to different places to, because it's going to be another month or so before the, the uh, foster care home can get back going. And he says, why would you take my kids? And they said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I mean, they're fine there. They've got plenty of room. And besides, this week, the manicurist is coming for all of the girls to do manicures. And I've got a player of the Florida Marlins coming to play baseball with the kids. They're going to be real disappointed if those people aren't there. Now, why do I tell you that story? Is there anything wrong with Mark Bell having a nice house? Not stuff's neutral. But if his worth as a person is whether or not I have a house... After one week, he was willing to say, open it up. Let me use what I have to help somebody else. You see, that's the topping of life. And I bet when Mark and his wife look back and they think about the first week or two in their house, they're not going to think about, well, we had to empty this box or do that thing. They're going to think about 70 foster kids whose lives were changed because they were there for a couple of weeks. And when they look at it, they're going to say, wow. That was some good hot fudge on top of some ice cream, wasn't it? It was a nice topping. God gives us these things as the toppings of life, but meaning and purpose is only found in him. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you love us so much. We just pray that you would help us to get a, a better perspective on what counts in this world and what this world is really about. And we just pray that we would all do that in our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. 
If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.